everyone. Thanks for joining us for the first ever episode of the Reserve Team Podcast. I'm Matthew Roop and that's Noah Tong. Um, this is the podcast where two former D3 athletes give their takes on the sports world. And, uh, and so today we're going to start with what we know. We're going to start the show and we're going to talk about the EPL a little bit and kind of a little top of the table update. Just kind of talk about what happened this last, this last weekend and kind of some of the results and kind of what we see happening in the future. Tom, what are your thoughts on the weekend? Well, we're going to start off with EPL, uh, soccer overseas. Uh, it's kind of tough because I think, as you mentioned, United fan, I think I'm ready to basically say City is probably going to win the league. They're, they're, they look tough to stop. I mean, their defense is crazy right now, and their, their bench is insane. Like they're not, They have guys who were best in the league last year, Laporte and others, who are off the, coming off the bench, you know. Um, and then you got guys, I mean, they don't even have a striker right now, really. They have like Aguero, he's in and out of the lineup with injuries. Jesus is not even the guy, like they're looking for other strikers, it sounds like. And yet they have a guy like a holding mid and like Gundogan, box to box kind of guy who's up top, just like killing it. You know, he looks like one of the best strikers in the league right now. So that's tough. Cause you know, I'm, I'm tired of seeing Liverpool and city run away with things. And I thought this year would be closer, but. Yeah, I, I know what you're saying. The, the top of the table, while it seems kind of close, City is kind of – I think they're up seven seven clear of everybody else now. And I do think – I I mean, unfor- I'm as a Leicester fan, you know, I thought maybe there was a shot again this year for a little 2016 magic, but I don't I don't think that's in the cards. Just, you know, they've dropped too many games, and, and City looks really good right now. And I think that kind of speaks to Pep's um, class in terms of coaching. I think, you know, running Phil Foden out of false nine, like – and just seeing the success that they have is is just incredible. And yeah, I I again with the depth, I think that's something that a lot of teams don't have is just the ability to keep fresh legs in. Like Champions League starts this week again, and and with the amount of people they're they're able to rotate in and still continue their their world class level, I think is is definitely going to help. Yeah, Leicester's a tough uh, team to follow for you. Cause it's just cause I mean, they're, they're a fun team to watch, but you don't accept, you don't put them usually in like the big six category. And so that's like, they're doing really, really well this year. And then, but yet they're still off a little bit and you don't really expect them to just necessarily spend the money. So I don't know. I, I respect the dedication to Lester. Yeah, I, I, I agree. They are, they are fun to watch, but at the same time, I think, you know, you start to see this core develop of, and Didi and Madison and, and Tielemans in the middle, but how long is it till a Man United or a Man City or a Liverpool poaches one of those guys? Um, I think we, you know, you've been lucky to have to have Vardy stick around for as long as he's he's been. Just the the dedication to the club, and uh, you know, it's just a it's just a matter of time till one of those guys gets poached with a with a massive contract. And, and Lester has been willing to spend more money as of late. Um, they signed Tielemans to a pretty lengthy deal as well as Ndidi. Um, but yeah, it's, it's, it's ups and downs and they, they don't really, I think they have a thinner margin for error too. Like they have to take care of the games. Whereas like, like obviously they got a good result this weekend against Liverpool, but I, I feel less and less confident, you know, going into those games, like as you should, but they, they just have less room for error than I think some of the bigger clubs do. Yeah. 
And I think, I think now for a lot of these teams, if you think that city might be the team running away with it, you're starting to think, okay, do we focus more on champions league or Europa league or the FA cup? Like maybe just getting top four is fine. And you think, okay, maybe now we can try to win something else because realistically we're not catching up with the team like city right now who are just crushing it. Or I don't know, maybe you think you can fly under the radar and catch up to city because everyone's riding everyone else off. I, I don't know. I mean, I mean, Klopp came out for Liverpool and said it's over, which, you know, was a funny video to watch as a United fan. But, uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know what people think about that. Yeah, I, I, I'm not sure either. I think there are there are definitely, you know, different strategies as teams kind of move on to the, with the rest of this season to kind of determine what's important for them. And I think a lot of teams you will see, you know, just battling for that three through four spot or two through four spot and just, you know, saying that's good enough for this season. But at the same time, seven points, it's, it's quite a bit, but it's not insurmountable. I mean, there's always the, the chance of a collapse. And if that happens, you don't want to be the team that said, oh, well, we could have. So it's just a lot of, a lot of what ifs that might happen. You know, and Sheffield have seven points. That's, you know, not quite, but close. So, you know, it, it could be worse. It could be, you could be a Sheffield. I mean, they were close to like Champions League last year for a while until the restart and then not look at them. They're struggling. So, yeah, I don't know. It, it's been a, a brutal, uh, brutal season for old shit. I have a soft spot for a team like Fulham just because, you know, they've had the Americans in the past and they just got promoted and it's looking kind of tough for them. But for, yeah, I don't know. It'll, it'll, it's, there's still a lot to play, but it's going to be, uh, it's going to be interesting. Right. Sure. And I, I think there's enough time for people to turn stuff around, but at the same time, you look at the teams like city who, you know, looks, looks good. And, and even like, you know, Villa Chelsea had a big win today. Like I know it was, I, I forget who they played. Was did they play Sheffield today? Who Chelsea? Yeah. What did you say? Yeah, Newcastle. they played. Uh, yeah, Newcastle. We're a little slow on that one, but we'll get better. <laughs> yeah, uh, I mean, yeah. it was just Newcastle, but it's something that put them in the right direction, and now they're in, they're in the top four. So, just just teams like that that are still on the hunt. There's there's a lot of things that could change by the end of the season. And a lot of these guys too are playing for you know, national team conversations, whether it be friendlies or Euros or World Cup qualifying, stuff like that. I mean, there's a lot of people. I mean, if you think of just like midfielders, you got you got guys who are already like, if you look at the England team, you got established guys like Sterling, Rashford, people like that. But you also have young guys knocking on the door like Foden, Grealish, you know, Mason Mount's a fan favorite of England, it looks like. And yeah, you know, things like that. So, and even guys who are struggling like Greenwood for United. So I think there's a lot of reason for there's a lot of competition, especially for that England team. So like three or four of those, those names you mentioned, Foden, James Madison, Jack Grealish, Mason Mount, they all kind of play that same role where, you know, maybe one to two of them gets in the lineup. Who do you, who do you give the nod to there? Well, like for me, Grealish is a cam left wing kind of type. And I think you could play Mount further back if you want. Maybe you can do that with Grealish too, but they don't seem to want to do that as much for like for England. They seem to want to play more advanced, probably where he should be. And then Madison, I at least think of, and I don't watch Lester quite as much, but I think of him more as like a number 10 kind of cam type. So I don't know. I think there's a way to fit a lot of them in the lineup, but obviously you're going to have to leave some on the bench and leave some at home. Um, I would, I would, I mean, I don't think you can leave Grealish and Foden out right now. I think that's really tough, but I also don't think like, Southgate for England is ever going to leave out Mount. You know what I mean? I don't, I don't see that happening. 
and he's, you know, he's got some good qualities to him. So I kind of understand that in some ways too. Um, and then, and then you still, like I said, you got guys like Rashford, you got guys like Sancho and, and Sterling who aren't going anywhere. So uh, I don't know. I, I don't envy that position necessarily. I mean, it's, it's a good problem to have though. It's better than the other way yeah. around where you're scraping to find talent for your 11. Yeah. It, it'll definitely be interesting as you know, international becomes more relevant here in the, the upcoming months. Yeah. I mean, I, it, look, if, if Gareth Southgate had Paul Ariola at his disposal, he'd be starting game in, game out. And I know that you before that, I before that. It's just what would happen. Okay. On the record, Paul <laughs> is the worst U.S. men's national player to ever grace the field. That's, that's harsh. That's it is harsh. harsh. It's very harsh, but not a fan. I hope, I hope he's our next guest on the pod. That's what I hope happens. And then you have to eat those words within a week. I'll let him know that I watched him miss a sitter in Orlando. Stuff. Yeah. He's at Swansea now. He's killing it. True. He and uh, Jordan Morris. <laughs> the boys on the wing. The, boys. the American lads on the wing. Yeah, he uh, Jordan Morris got a warm welcome to the league. Uh, they played they play City in the FA Cup in his first start. Brutal. He he didn't even last all ninety. Welcome to the league. Yeah. <laughs> welcome, well, to welcome to Europe. So I guess one other question. You know, we kind of talked about how you know trying to decide what's what's important, and what you value. We just have a hypothetical question here for you. Would you rather make? Um, would you rather win the FA Cup and finish fifth in the Premier League, or would you rather finish like third and get knocked out of the group stage in, in the, of Champions League the following year? In the following year? Yeah, so kind of like like they're both the same season. Does that make sense? Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I mean, I the FA Cup doesn't mean as much anymore as it used to. So that's it, – it doesn't have the same prestige, I don't think. But it's, you know, it's still bragging rights, and I still would want to win the FA Cup. Um, but I think that nowadays it's just Champions League – or, or, you know, above all. And I think that um, that's not going to change anytime soon. Just the money that you get for making the Champions League and the players that you're able to get, I think long-term teams value that more, um, even at the detriment of some of these cups that fans really like to watch. Right. It'll be interesting. So I think we'll transition to a, a new sport. We'll uh, stay on this side of the pond this time and talk a little bit about Major League Baseball. The Hall of Fame induction was not too long ago. Well, I guess there wasn't an induction. The voting happened, but nobody got into the Hall. Kind of what are, you, what are your thoughts on that? Is, is that a good thing for the league? Is, it like, is, that, is that a problem? Yeah, I, mean, I don't think it's a great thing that you have a whole year go by and no one makes the Hall of Fame. I, I feel like someone should be I – feel, I feel like that there needs to be more of an emphasis on getting people in. Um, but, yeah, I don't have a vote, obviously. Right. So it, that's kind of the next pro, the next question is the process broken? Like the writers get a vote and then you have to get a certain percentage to get into the hall. Is, is that a, is that a system that no longer works or do you think it was just a strange year? I mean, I think sure the process is maybe broken, but like you get what we deserve it to be broken. Like it's baseball is kind of broken right now. I feel like, like the commission hates the sport. Um, people think it's broken because they keep trying to change the rules of baseball and make it more fan friendly and things like that. And uh, I think it kind of, not that we deserve it, but I think it kind of makes sense that this is also broken and just 
I don't know. I, I think it kind of, uh, it doesn't surprise me in any way. Okay. I don't know if that's an agreed upon opinion, but that's kind of what I've been thinking about. Like, yeah, this isn't, this isn't crazy to me that this is also broken. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And I, I kind of understand what you're saying with that. There's, there's a lot of talk, like the players and the owners don't get along. There's, there, there's new CBA coming up and a lot of people think that might lead to a lockout because they won't be able to agree. Um, they just recently decided that spring training is going to start on time, although that might change depending on what COVID-19 does. But I think, I think the Hall of Fame is something that can be used to generate interest back in baseball, though. I, I listened to Pat McAfee the other day talk about um, the NFL Hall of Fame, and he says he viewed it as, like, a museum of, like, the greats of football. So, like, when you go in there, it's, it's to showcase, you know, who's done what for the league. It's not necessarily, like – you know, obviously it's the best players, but like at the same time, it's used to, you know, you know, remember. Who's been influential. Yeah. And, and remember, you know, when so-and-so played and, oh, you saw this player, you remember such and such from, from certain things. And I think that, you know, during the off season, when this, uh, when the hall of fame voting happens, it's another period of time where people are talking about major league baseball. Whereas now the voting came, it's came, it's gone. And, and nothing happened of that. We didn't see any any speeches. We didn't see any famous people again. And now you see guys like Kurt Schilling who say, take my name off the ballot. I'm done. I don't I don't want to be on it anymore. And I think that's bad for the game. Yeah. And, and kind of to your earlier point, too, about how, um, like, the teams and, and the commissioner and everybody aren't getting along. Like, they just, I think they just cut a bunch of minor league teams, correct me if I'm wrong, yep. and they – like that's not good for growing the game, you know, having less players in the minor league system. Um, if anything, that's less people likely, more likely to, you know, make the league and, and be personalities. Like I, I, I feel like there's a lot of personalities that are in baseball that aren't being showcased. Like if you showed, if you showed um, somebody a face, a famous face in baseball, they're just a normal person. They're not going to recognize them the same way that they would recognize Tom Brady or, you know, Ronaldo or whoever. And that's kind of been a topic of discussion recently too. Like who is the face of baseball? Like probably the last face of baseball was Derek Jeter and he's been retired for forever now. And I think that's tough when people look, you know, Mike Trout's the best player in baseball. That's pretty much a foregone conclusion might be the greatest of all time, but he's not the face because he's not that personality. That's just not who he is. He's quiet, you know, quiet, quiet mannered guy who goes about his business um, and so there, there is no face. And I think that does hurt the league. I, yeah. Like you said, Tom Brady, everybody knows what Tom Brady looks like. If you saw him on the street, you know, Hey, that's Tom Brady. But I feel like 95% of baseball players could walk down, you know, main street in Chicago or New York or LA and, and people might not know who they are unless they're a fan of the team, which there's like a tier of players that are really well known. There's like the Jeter, the, um like Ronaldo there's the Corky Miller like there's those types of people and then and then there's everyone else you know what I mean so right I feel like there should be a counter on this podcast where it's just like times that people want to say just like shut up tongue or whatever and we just keep like a little tally in the corner you know what I'm saying yeah <laughs> just like who, who's Corky Miller you know right. stuff like that but yeah I don't know I think that I think there should be some sort of difference to the hall of fame criteria or what people start to base things on but I, I don't know I don't think it's an easy answer either. So with the Hall of Fame, are guys like Bonds and Clemens who are, you know, the steroid era guys, do they deserve to be in the Hall or no? They cheated. But they are some of the best to ever play the game. 
in kind of that era, it, I'm, I'm not to say that it's justified or not, but a lot of people were doing it. So I'm. So that's that's justified then. A lot no, of people are doing. It. I said it's not justified. Oh, oh well, I mean, hey. <laughs> that means you should be in the league. They're all vain, though. I don't know. I I mean I I tend I kind of tend to lean towards the side of that they should get in. I think you look at guys. I think Tim Kirchin said this a couple of years ago. Um, you look at you look at a guy like Pete Rose. The Major League Baseball banned him from baseball, and so he's not eligible for the Hall. Well, the terms of people who who get the votes. It's not their discretion of whether they should get in or not. They should look at the statistics and say, Hey, based on his play and what he's done, he deserves to be in the hall. And if it was actually an issue, then major league baseball themselves should step in and say, this guy's not eligible for the hall. This guy's not eligible for the hall. Cause now it's just, it's basically personal preference at that point, whether you think he should be in or not. And I think that's kind of like, that leads to prejudice. And I think, that that's kind of the reason why it creates issues with the whole. Yeah. I saw an article recently. Um, I don't know how recently it was, but about, yeah, he petitioned to get back in like the, to not be banned from baseball. Cause he wanted to get into the hall of fame or whatever. Cause like, obviously he's not going to work in baseball anymore. Like he's ancient, but, um, and then the article is basically saying like, yeah, that'll never happen. Like he's, he's gone, you know, they're never going to let him back in, but it is kind of funny too. Cause obviously betting on baseball is not a good thing and like the scandals that he was part of is not a good thing but as a culture too we're going more and more to like sports betting and so it's kind of funny that like he's watching this all unfold and he is just completely blackballed out of everything and now and he just doesn't even have the voice and i don't like i'm not a you know i i don't i'm not some sort of pete rose super fan but i do kind of like the hypocrisy is kind of funny a little bit but right I also think you have to admire what he did. I mean, he holds the record for most hits and that's not something that, you know, people just walk into. That's, he was one of the, the greatest to ever do they, it. They hit into it. Really? Really? Yeah. Good point. <laughs> right. I think the, the Reds did invite him back though. I think. Yeah. He's in their hall of fame. Yep. Which is good. I believe. I'm hoping the uh, Cubs invite Sammy Sosa back soon. Big. They're asked, they're waiting for an apology from him, but I don't think either one's going to happen. I think the Cubs should just give up and let him back. He's a beast. You got to let him in. Exactly. He's. I mean, he's a fan favorite. Like when you're struggling for fans, like it's our generation that grew up with Sammy Sosa and maybe some some people who are older. And you know, if he comes back to a game, that's just generating more publicity for the club. I mean, and and it goes back to his personalities too. Like even he was in one of those recent three for 30 documentaries and you could just tell like you know he his personality was um very evident among old clips they showed and current interviews and it's just a shame that that's not part of the conversation anymore and and ian Happ posts a podcast called the compound he's the center fielder for the cubs and he, he and zach short who's now with the tigers talked about how that the personalities of the ball players aren't being showcased as much as, you know, say the NBA where the NBA, it's basically a fashion show before the game. So you get to see Russell Westbrook's attire before the game and you kind of get to know his personality. Whereas with baseball, they haven't done a good job of marketing the players as people necessarily, which kind of hurts the sport. I think the more fans feel like they actually know the human, then I think the more drawn in they get. And I think, you know, doing things like the mic'd up, they've done, they did a little bit more of that last year, which I think is a cool thing. Um, just, just producing more content that allows you to know the, the human and not just the ball player, I think would be very beneficial. 
Is there like a hard knocks for baseball at all or anything like that? Or like all or nothing? I don't think so, but that, that, that would be something cool. And I think like I've watched the hard knocks and I'm, you know, I'm not a Browns fan or I'm not a, you know, but it's something that, you know, people just sports fans in general might just want to know what goes on behind the scenes and stuff like that. Free advice for them. They should hire me. Yeah. So the next topic is one that I think a lot of people are interested in. And obviously, you know, the NFL has become the most popular sport in the United States, but the draft is coming up and, you know, Trevor Lawrence is the big name heading out of the draft. I think for appropriate reasons, I think he's got the body and the build and the skills to, to be a very good player, but uh, you know, kind of what are your thoughts on the NFL draft? Yeah. I mean, it's still really early too. So I'm sure this will all change, but I saw one mock that had four quarterbacks at the beginning, which seems um, unrealistic, but also realistic at the same time. Like you, you get, there's a scenario in which the four quarterbacks that go to the beginning just because teams are so heavy on it. Um, I don't feel like that's actually going to happen. Um, I think the four were like uh, Lawrence Fields, not, not in its order, but Lawrence Fields, um, Zach Wilson, I believe, and then Trey Lance and, I believe he's a quarterback for North Dakota state. So that's just kind of crazy that he's even in the conversation, but that shows his ability too. Um, but yeah. Yeah. And then uh, Mac Jones out of Alabama was the other one. Yeah. I think that probably goes in the top five. And I think this NFL offseason is going to be crazy. I think there are somewhere around like 16 teams that could have quarterback switches within, within the league. So, which is, I think that's why you might see, you know, five quarterbacks go in the first round is because everybody's looking for one. It seems like we've already seen a switch with, with golf and Stafford. Um, and I think, I think, I thought good that was very getting out of Detroit. He deserves it. Good for, good for yeah. Stafford getting out of Detroit. You might agree. He's solid. Like I, I always like Stafford, but the lions are like the Bengals kind of where it's just like, there's just no hope for him. There was only one time in his career in Detroit where he got a 200 yard rushing game like with him right like how is he supposed to win if you can't run the ball and he just gets destroyed every game he always puts up decent numbers so yeah I agree get him out I was kind of hoping he'd come to the Bears but I think there was the asking price was a little too steep they have right now well Mitch Trubisky's out he's a free agent so they might bring him back Nick Foles is still on the roster but not excited about that one so hater hater okay I'm hoping that they I don't I don't know who I want them to get anymore. Obviously Deshaun Watson is available, but the asking price there is extremely steep and I don't know that the Bears have the capital to to ship that way. Um oh, you guys have a late pick. I didn't realize. Yeah, like kind of wanting kind of a little late, yeah. And so I mean, I if one of those five quarterbacks fell for some reason to that slot, I would love it if they took them, but I think there's also other needs that they have offensive line needs. Trubisky or got destroyed this year. So makes him look even worse than he is when he doesn't have any time to throw the ball. That's if my Bengals don't pick, you know, as many offensive linemen as possible for, cause we, we need it. I'm tired of watching Burrow getting just crushed every game. And like, it's to the point where like, it, it's tough to even be a Bengals fan. Just like I try, but like, there's just so many years of it, just terrible decisions. And yeah, I, I don't know, but it'll be interesting to see what they do because they're high enough to get a quarterback, but they're not going to obviously with Burrow. So then it's like, do you get another weapon for Burrow or do you get offensive linemen, you know, but maybe reach for one if you don't necessarily think that the guy there is going to work well. 
Um, you trade back trade that pick. Yeah. Right. You know, I don't really trust us to make a good trade necessarily, but you know, we'll see. Um, I mean, there's good receivers out there too. I mean, Chase, um, there's a couple Bama guys. So I don't know. Yeah. Bama's wide receiver university down there. Just there's just NFL so university really, but really. Yeah. I saw, um, a tweet and it was like, if you take the top guys from Clemson, Alabama and what was the other one? LSU. No, not LSU because they were bad this year. Ohio State. Basically the top three college football. It was Ohio State. Yep, Ohio State. If you take those top three, take the best players off of the teams, do they beat an NFL team? Do they they beat the, you know, the Jets this year? Or the the Jags? I mean, so – I say the Jets lose just because they would be the team to do that, even though the Jaguars were worried. You know, what I, mean? I can see the Jets just throwing it, but I don't know. Like, there's they're just stacked. It's crazy, and it's kind of it's kind of ruining college football a little bit. I mean, with how it's so concentrated at the top now. Like, credit to Saban and all of them because they're just killing it at the recruiting level. And you know, when you have just a few conferences that are kind of running the game right now, it's tough to see how that's going to even change anytime soon. Right. It's basically the same five or six teams that are rotating the college football playoff, which the college football playoff was implemented. So that wouldn't happen. And yet here we are with the same. And it's funny that the solution being thrown out is to expand the playoffs, which I'm for. But like, it's ironic that that's the solution when it could just be the same eight teams. You know what I mean? Same same teams that are in contention. So, yeah. But I also think there there is an opportunity for change. If you look at college basketball right now, it's the first time since 1949 that Duke, Kentucky, Michigan State, and Kansas are not in the top 25. Like that, pretty great. I said, yeah, it is. I mean, obviously, I think those teams were heralded as the, as the best college basketball schools, and now you look at them and they're they're not even in the picture, which is which is crazy for people like us to think we've never known any different until the last couple of years where things kind of changed. But I think that kind of a new regime is going into college basketball, which is exciting. It's exciting to see coach K yell at student reporters. Like that's something that we all are for, you know, this, we just, we, the kids for it, coach K not as much for it, but it's fun to see the reaction, you know, stuff like that. It's good to see. Right. And, and you don't get <laughs> coach K trying to cancel college basketball if his team's good. So true. <laughs> I saw that Duke, and I could be wrong about this, but I think Duke's women's team shut down their season like a long time ago, like a few months ago. So I was like, oh boy, here it comes. Duke's, Duke's getting out of here, <laughs> but they're still playing. I saw one of the Duke players opted out of the season and there's three weeks left. Is it really opting like out now? at this point or is it just quitting? Yeah. Opted out now? Like today. Yeah. Today. So he's just quitting on the season basically. So he can't redshirt because he already played. Or did he not? Um, actually, this year doesn't count for any eligibility. So everybody gets this year back. Beautiful. So no oh, interesting. How how Purdue gonna look in the tournament this year? It depends on which team shows up. Um uh they're so inconsistent, and I I'm obviously that speaks to their immaturity. You know, four freshmen getting major minutes, no seniors. Um but I mean, when they when they make shots, I mean, you could say that about any team. But when they don't turn the ball over and they rebound the ball, they're a really good team. But when I'm afraid that once it comes tourney time, whether that be Big Ten tourney or NCAA, 
the, the moment might get too big for those four freshmen and it might collapse under the weight a little bit. Especially if like a, especially if like a start slow, you know, that could be tough. Although I guess they've been a second half team in times, but. Right. And, but I mean, if your goal is to, to make a run in the NCAA tourney or the big 10 tourney, you can't afford to give away halves like that. Like you have to play complete games, especially in the big 10 this year. I think it's probably the deepest conference in the league. And I mean, the AP poll came out today and, and they have three teams in the top five, which is crazy. Yeah. I mean, you can make an argument that like 10 teams probably deserve to make the tournament. Not that 10 will, but like they, you can make the argument. Yeah. Agreed. With Illinois coming out on top. Potentially. Yeah. They're fun to watch. They are fun to watch, especially like they have the same issues. They, they don't start games well, but they can, their second half, they just have obliterated teams. So if they can find a way to play a complete game like they did against Iowa a couple weeks ago, I think I think they can be anybody in the league. But Gonzaga looks really good. Jalen Suggs is a baller. Although, I mean, Ohio State's good this year. And like I, I love Ohio State, so that I'm happy to I'm happy that's the case. But I mean, there's a lot of you don't I don't know what you're shaking your head about. You don't I've I've Ohio always State. been a huge Ohio State fan. Mm-hmm. Any Ohio State friend I've ever had will tell you that. Converted Boilermaker fan, everyone here. Go Bucks, baby. <laughs> That's yeah. true. I do watch a lot of Purdue. Ohio State is good this year. Surprising amount. Yeah, they are good. And I think they're sneaky good because they don't have that one player where you're like, man, he's really good. Like, you look at Illinois, they got Kofi Coburn and Io DeSumo. You look at Iowa, and they've got Luca Garza. Um, they don't have that one player that, you know, can just go out and, and get buckets. I think it's a more of a team effort, and I think that that's – that's scary because you're not relying on one person. Like if you look at Iowa, if Luca Garza has an off night, which he hasn't really this year, but on the off chance that a team finds a way to shut him down. I mean, obviously they still have guys that can, that can make shots, but I think that's, it's, it's a little more tough for a team like Iowa than it might be for Ohio state. Yeah, it's fair. Hey guys, thanks for tuning in to our first episode of the Reserve Team Podcast. Be on the lookout for more. You can follow us on Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, um, at the Reserve Pod. You can find us on YouTube under the Reserve Team Podcast. And hopefully by the time you're hearing this, we will be on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Podcasts for all your podcasting needs. And uh, we hope to see you next week.